welcome back to another episode of Say Something Interesting, the podcast that cares. That's always my intro. So. Yeah, it is. <laughs> my name is Margo, and with me... I'm Brent. And we are pastors over at Eastlake Tri-Cities in the beautiful, fairly mild... What and I keep wanting to say Western Washington because everything's west from my my heart, but Eastern Washington. Eastern Washington, yes. Absolutely. Over in the sagebrush where the tumbleweeds are a blowing. Yep, and everybody season. I know is sick, including me. <laughs> See, I got it early, so now I'm there to to be there Support. for you guys. I just I just uh, stopped by. We have some friends that live close to us, and their kids go to preschool with us. And I had my men's group this morning, so I had some leftover donuts, and I thought, oh, I'll run it over to them. They've got four kids at home, and I'm sure that they would love sugar in the morning as they drop them off at preschool. And I pulled in, and the the my my best friend's wife was out there, and she was getting in the car, and she looked like, bless her heart, like I love her, but she looked just ragged. Like you she's, know what I mean? She's seen some things. Yeah, <laughs> I've seen some things. <laughs> and uh, I said, hey, would anybody want some donuts? And she's like, no, nobody <laughs> It feels up for donuts right now. It was the worst. She goes, this is how things fall apart. Finances and the flu. That's what I'm convinced. This is how families break. (laughs) Poor girl. She was like, everybody was sick at like 1 a.m. last night. And yeah, because you never you never get sick, you know, during the day. It's always wake you up. Yeah. To clean up some. And they were trying to give one of their kids Tamiflu. Okay. And so she's like, I literally held him down while my husband inserted Tamiflu into his throat and he's looking up at us screaming in vitriol and oh, hatred. It looks like a scene from The going, Exorcist. I just want you to love me. Oh, <laughs> so dramatic. <laughs> so dramatic. Like he knows exactly what to say. So anyways, and then I sound like this and I, I told you uh, yesterday, well, I didn't know it. Saturday night, if I would have known I was going to sound as bad as I did on Sunday, I would have definitely called you and been like, hey, I'm out. Here's my notes. Go for it. <laughs> I didn't know until literally Sunday morning I got in the car and on Sunday mornings I wake up before any of my family and I'm out the door usually before they wake up. So, and that was the case yesterday. I didn't talk to anybody until I had already come here, walked in the front doors. There was the doors, the band was here, but they were all then in the main auditorium. I went and put out the signs, hadn't talked to anybody. I went through, I could tell I was kind of feeling sick. So I went through um, McDonald's to go get an orange juice. And when you opened your mouth to place the order. I, I did. <laughs> I said, I'll take an orange juice, please. <laughs> and, and a nicotine patch if you have it. If you know. Uh, and I realized in that moment, I was like, oh, boy. Like, this is going to be interesting. And, yeah, and then it got weird, too, because, like, in conversation, it, it sounds okay. But then when I got up on the stage, it went, and... it went worse. I don't know if it was the amplification of it or, like, I feel the need to project more. I think also, that's like part you of talk it. nonstop, so yeah, yeah. So, anyways, if you're here's the bummer is I, you know, I always say you should go back and listen to the podcast, but I, you should content wise. I felt like it was great. <laughs> it's just you got to get past a little bit, and then I like doubling up on you. Um, I didn't even the, get to hear how you sounded too. for the night service. Um, a little bit better, okay. but I don't know if we recorded that one or not. <laughs> uh, it wasn't. It wasn't great. Again, it was still. Super well, if anyone has empathy for you, it's me because I've had two very froggy Sunday mornings. You're, and you're one like froggy. your first two, weren't they? Well, yeah, Not my your... first one, and then a, like almost a year to the date later, like yeah. that same exact Sunday in December, I yeah. was sick again. And what's funny is the clip that we showed on Sunday was from a show called Superstore, 
and it features the guy. He's like the he's manager, manager, blonde haired yeah. guy who's got this like really uniquely high voice, like weird, squeaky. At first, when you watch the show, you're like, ah, it's kind of annoying, and it kind of grows on you. Like it's not as annoying now. I think it's kind of funny. Anyway, part of his character. Yeah, and it, and he sells it enough. It's not like like. It, it would be weird. I wonder how his interview went or how his tryout well, went. Well, who knows if his voice even sounds remotely like That's that. That's true. I wonder if it's totally different. I'm sure he probably has a higher voice, but it doesn't have like the squeaky annotations. And, and how weird would it for be if he has a totally normal voice to be at home and talking to his wife or girlfriend and being like, I'm going into this interview or this tryout and I'm thinking about trying this out. What do you think? <laughs> you know, and they'd be like, it's not going to work. And, then, and then lo and behold, it does. And, you know, I'm not saying it's like the best show on television, but it's creative. It's funny. We, we find a lot of clips from it. And his character is, is something. So anyways, that's the clip that we showed. And he, re- he realizes in this clip that his voice sounds the way that it does. And then my voice sounded like the complete opposite. His is like super high. And then talk about that and mock that. And then my voice sounded terrible. And after evening service last night, somebody goes, did you guys like pick that on purpose? And I was like, you give us way too much credit because there's no way we planned we're that good on the fly to be like, we have. <laughs> it's actually all a ruse. Brent just wanted to yeah. make our intro video extra, you know, right. relevant. Extra relevant for that day. Uh, that's not absolutely the case. But did you, do you remember as a kid, like hearing your voice? Like, because in that clip, he, he hears his voice and it's like. I sound like that? Yeah. I remember thinking that. Like, what? That's not how I sound. Like me, my mom, my sister all have pretty similar voices. But mine's slightly lower. So, like, my sister, because my first name's Hannah, she would, and I go by my middle name, she would always say, ooh, hand the man, hand the man. And so <laughs> I remember being very insecure about my voice for a while. And now yeah. I'm like, you know what? I could sound like one of the Cinderella mice. So things aren't so bad. <laughs> <laughs> and now you guys get to listen to our voices a That's lot. That's right. Right, right, right. In this podcast. So we, we're on to week three. Part three, yep. Uh, of a series called Beginnings. Uh, and it's great if you guys miss the other two. Highly, highly, highly recommend. I've even sent sent them to my sister because she's in one of those transitional phases. Right. Like she's in a good spot, but it's like, you know, even. So even it's when official. Because last time we yeah. talked, you were like, I think they broke up, but I'm not sure. <laughs> oh, no, my mom's going to be like, you're talking to your pastor about this. Oh, I know. No, no, right. But uh, so she's in a transitional spot. I mean, like her life is good. Like she's like worked hard in her career, she's in a really good spot. Um, so it's almost like you really want to make sure that the decisions that you make when things are going good are continually propelling you in this good direction, right? Uh, so I sent it to her because I thought, I'm like, man, I wish I heard this advice at points in my life where I was at, you know, a crossroads. So Did she respond back to you? She just said she said she'd listen to it, but oh, she's right. in Vegas right now. So oh. I'm like, maybe you really, you know, <laughs> she's, really need to listen to this. She's like. making fresh stars in Vegas. <laughs> But uh, she's got a plane ride back to reflect, right? It's not on a legion, is it? I think it might be because <laughs> that's how she got the ticket. Uh, <laughs> Anyways, people are like, what's going on? Should we move on? Yes, we should move okay. on. It's a great series. Poor Margo. We're, in, we're inducing all kinds of family relationship stuff into this. It's family <laughs> drama that probably doesn't need to be in a podcast. But No, not at all. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, love my sister. And like, I'm not just saying like, oh, this pod, this series is great for her. Like, it's great for everyone. Everyone comes to a point where they're like, all right, I'll move on to something else. I'm trying something again. I'm picking myself up. Like, how do I position myself to be in the best pl- mental space possible to, to I've succeed? been so impressed with the, uh, the divine providence, if you will. I feel like that's like probably too much, but of 
people who I know, like in my mind, have are going through a fresh start and happened. I don't think that they knew that that was what the series was about. They have just happened to show up. Like the last two weeks, I've had friends who are not East Lakers show up on a Sunday and randomly be like, oh, I thought I'd give you a shot. And I'd be like, this is like the perfect series for you right now. Like just mm-hmm. knowing things from your life, like either either we've talked or I've been able to kind of observe from the beautiful land of Facebook screen time. Um, you know, know that this is this is like really good for you. Although it does add like this super pressure on my on my myself in in like going up there going, I hope that they don't think like specifically even like this targeting Sunday. me or yeah like oh he changed out. it because he saw me walking through the door and he knows my crap or whatever right now and it's not true um i can prove that the, I'm, i stick pretty closely to my notes which were submitted well before i knew you were coming yesterday so anyways <laughs> but <clears throat> so the, the other weeks the other two just kind of talked about the the blame the blame chart how we we like to when we're drawing our our pie chart of blame uh, usually the other person gets a huge chunk of the pie. And if we're honest with ourselves, when we when we talk to other people, we usually get like between one and 5% of the blame, which in certain cases, like it can be, be true. It can be true. Yeah, like if you're in like a horrible relationship and you tried your best and like they were abusive yeah. or whatever, like it'd be that foolish is, for me to say in an abusive relationship, yeah. you need to own 50% of it. No, that's not true. I mean, no. but there, a- absolutely. There's they certain could, things, it could be 95 to 5%. Yeah. There's certain things in your zero to 5% that you're like, all right, there were there were points that like I probably could have like maybe when we're dating, maybe there were some things that I was like, eh, like I don't know about this guy, and I just I didn't want to believe that those things were true or those those red flags were what they were, so I, I forged ahead. So maybe next time I go into a relationship, I should like one of the the tips that you gave us: time is your friend. Like, don't think I need to rush things. Like, really feel someone out before I, you know, give a piece of my heart to this person. And And I think, I think a big piece of it is, um, you know, even when it's like, well, why am I required to own my 5%? Um, or, you know, what, what about when they've done all of, all of these things? Okay. I get it. Um, but part of your 5% could be, I did not do good enough setting up healthy boundaries for myself. And yes, they took advantage of it. And yes, I could have said, you know, no, that's not going to work for me. Or, you know, maybe I did, but I didn't stick to my guns or something like that. Like that's like boundaries are a big deal. Like if you want your next relationship to be better than your last one. And this isn't even in the in a secular relationship. Like we're not saying, yeah. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. oh this is only for the Christian no, no, listeners no, 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 no. out there. No, absolutely. This is just how life works, I think. Yeah. And I, I think that um, I think that you know, addressing my own personal part of the blame helps me realize I can be in control of even my own boundaries. And and I remember reading, there's a book by uh, Cloud and Townsend, two like uh, psychiatrists or whatever, and they wrote a book on boundaries that has like stuck with me forever. I haven't read it in a decade, but I just remember like reading that going um, and having it be such a personal thing. So I, for, for those of you who are, you know, maybe may listening going, I, I do feel like, my piece is boundaries. Like I, I, he or she overstepped the, overstepped the bounds and did things that, you know, uh, I am not happy with in terms of major regrets of why I stayed in the relationship and whatever, but a big piece of ownership could be boundaries. And if it is, man, there's a, there's a great 
that resource is just a really good tool that I just, I remember, I, I haven't read it recently enough to be able to be like, in, in chapter three, he says this about, I don't remember all of that, but um, how to let your no really be a no and how to mm-hmm. make your yes be a yes. And why do you feel, why do you, this is the one that I struggled with constantly. Why do you say no when you want to say yes? Or sorry, sorry, why do you say yes when you really want to say no? You know, mm-hmm. it's because of a people pleasing thing. It's because you haven't set up good enough boundaries for yourself and for other things and so, anyways, yeah, it's good, good stuff. Good stuff. So that but that's was... really about la- like two weeks ago. I know, I'm, we're which just is fine. Our like, way through. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yesterday, um, we we went through and uh, dialogue through Romans chapter twelve, verses one and two. Really famous passage. Really one that's a, a lot of people are familiar with. Christian camp verse of the century. Christian camp verse. Yeah, don't conform any longer to patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And that renewing of your mind, that that piece has been. Um, like on the forefront of my mind. That's really where I wanted to kind of set a stake down and be like, this is like really important because how do you renew your mind? What does that mean? Is it all just mental? Is it, is it, because we've talked about this before, if you get your mind right, then your actions follow. I mean, that can be true. That is partially true, but sometimes we don't operate that that just falls into the same fallacy that we talked about in week one of- It's not going to naturally happen. Therefore I do. Yeah. Um, You- sometimes do without even thinking. So renewing your mind isn't just help me to get my mind right. Help me to do the things that shape my mind in the way that I want it to be shaped as well. Mm-hmm. What kind of habits am I developing to be able to think in that way that that steer me towards thinking the way that I want to think or need to think? I know for me, like being super candid, um, especially because people think that pastors just have excellent spiritual discipline and things like that. Uh, and sometimes we do, and sometimes we don't. And, you know, we're to- like, I feel like good pastors are good at being like, yeah, I suck at, you know, being in prayer all the time. And I suck at, you know, spending time of my day, you know, being, being in God's word. I know for me, like some of the advice I've gotten for as long as I've been even like dipping my toe in the pool of faith has been like, start your day, with something start your day like don't just wake up get ready and go to work go to school start your day like either in prayer and with a devotional book reading scripture do something because when you start your day on that like anything that comes after that is being built off of that foundation instead of like oh i'm running later oh like instead of starting it from your your brain whirling on all the things you need to do during the day it's kind of it, it's puts you, positions you in a stronger position. And I am not a morning person <laughs> at all in any way, shape or form, never have been. Um, so that's always been a struggle for me, but I can, I know clearly, like I remember when I was working a really, it, the job wasn't horrible, but the management was horrible when Borders Books was going, going down the drain. It was a bookstore. Uh, so the manager was just very tough on other managers and employees. And it was just, it was a very stressful time because Everyone knew the end was near and just people were being kind of vicious about it. (laughs) So I just, I remember sitting, getting to work early and I would sit in my car and I would just like pray and like listen to like maybe some Christian songs I liked and be like, God, just help me to have a better attitude that no matter what comes at me when I walk through those doors, that like it doesn't totally just tear me down and exhaust me and overwhelm me. Uh, and I remember like those days were always good. And sometimes I get to the end of the day and be like, oh, it wasn't that bad of a day. And I totally forget that like 
maybe that's because you actually started it from the strong point. In the days that I, I just wouldn't do that, I'd always come home more stressed, more tired. And so like, I know with every inch of my mind that that is a successful thing that it works without fail. Like it made some days, you know, like I totally end the day, like on a high note, some days I just end it on like a, okay, like we made it through. It was good. But I know a hundred percent of the time that it's beneficial to me. And yet I don't always find myself doing that. And like, that's one of those things of like, I know what works and I don't always do. Yeah. And, and uh, you've probably gathered, if you're listening to this, o- over the past, you know, however many months we've been doing this, that my my pathway towards that sort of renewing my mind is through, uh, I like to read a lot. and and But there's a difference between reading to consume, right, or reading to check a box, and then reading to, like, renew your mind. And whether it's prayer, whether it's time alone, whether it's whatever that is, I think beginning with the motive of, Going, okay, God, renew my mind in this. Like, help me to see things clearly as a result of this. And and therefore, it's not a quantity uh, of which I, I read through or a quality at which I slow down and, and, and do this. But, like, it actually begins with a, a uh, like, a, a, like I want to change first. And however that plays out, whatever that requires is is uh, is uh, important or whatever. I, I, yeah, I guess it's just starting with an end in mind and saying, my goal is renewal. And therefore, like, lead me into that and help me to kind of see and understand that. And I think uh, uh, one of the things that we've kind of done as a result of, like, having this be something that steers you even with it not being fully aware of it is um, the stuff that we do in between the songs um, on a Sunday morning. And one of them is like a confession prayer. Um, that we just started doing a, a few months ago, as I was as I was reading on um, through some through some of the liturgies of the church, like the Catholic Church or the Orthodox Church or just an established church of the, the rites and rituals that which you know if we can if we can begin to say these things, you may not feel like I need a confession prayer today. There may be some days you come in and be like, oh my gosh, I need I had a I'm coming off of a horrible season. I need to get back in a horrible car ride over here. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Like we fought in the car. I need this, right? Uh, And on those days, it's probably easy to be able to read through the confession prayer, which is what I do when that comes on the screen. Like I find myself reading along with it. It's not something I observe. I participate in it. Um, But it's just as powerful and just as shaping for me to say that even on the days where I'm like, I don't really need, I don't feel like I need that. I probably do, but I, I don't feel like I need this. But like that gathering on Sunday morning has supposed to be kind of a retraining ground for re- reminding myself. I always need confession. Like confession is good for the soul. I always need an understanding of where I stand. Anytime we do communion, it's always it's not like like some days I feel more like taking communion or more uh, aware of the sacrifice of, of Jesus or the love that God showed through us through sending his son or whatever. Like, I need to participate in that even on the days I don't feel like it because it that shapes me into what I want to be, which is a humble recipient of the grace of God extended in my life and a reflection of his image into the world, right? So whatever I can do to renew my mind in that is something that's important to me. So that's why I said on Sunday, I think you should be in church every week, not because it makes me feel better. I mean, I do feel better when you're there, um, <laughs> but that's just like a side byproduct. I really do think you need to be in an environment on a week in, week, base, uh, week in, week out basis where 
practical teachers being taught where you can learn. And I don't think that we have the corner on the market. I just think you need continual, like, it's not enough to be like um, a church. Brent, maybe you should do church once a month because then you really have something to say that's really powerful. Uh, you know, would my messages be better if I only had to write 12 of them in a year? Probably. You know what I mean? Or church would just be really long. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right? Um, but that consistency over over time, it's not, uh, it's not the one meal that you eat every three months that makes a difference on your physical body. It's what are you eating regularly, right? I mean, it's nice to feast once in a while. That's great, but... Like you if know. church is the only thing that you're doing to build up your your spiritual muscles, then that's also like you're you're kind of on a a lean diet there. <laughs> yeah, but something you need, you know, you need something regularly. I I I don't think that all these people are like, oh, I don't need the church. I can do it on my own. I I've got the Bible. I've got this. I've got that. I'm like, yeah, but we tend to like get depleted and then go wow, I need community now. And you haven't invested in a community. And so, you you know, it's hard to go then find it. And in, in, if you're on empty, that's not the best time to go shopping. Do you know what I mean? Like when you're hungry, yeah. like that's my, my wife always criticizes me. Um, when I'm I'm like, I'm starving, I'm running to yokes, I'm just going to go grab some. $90 later. Oh, dude, totally. Like I got freaking <laughs> chocolate queso. milk. I got like boxes of Malto meal coming out. You know, all this kind of everything. Like go Go shopping when you're full so that you only get the things that you need, you know? Mm-hmm. And uh, that, that those are two different approaches to that. So why do I think that church is important? I think that that's a huge reason why. So, um, yeah. Anything else? I, I did the seven kind of deadly assumptions uh, at the end. These are just answers to what I was thinking. I thought a couple of them were stronger than others. Um, I felt like um, the sex will complicate things was number seven. And... I felt like I kind of got excited about our new upcoming series, which is going to be called It's Complicated, a series on relationships. And, you and wanted to throw a teaser out there? I guess, yeah. I didn't feel like I landed the plane great on like number six and number seven. I felt like the first five were like really strong, and then I just kind of fed the last two. Um, so <clears throat> if you listen to that, then You're I, like, one, eh, I apologize. I don't, but, I'm not buying his argument. Then come to the next series. Yeah, I guess that's part of it. Confession that you're like, well, those two aren't that great. Yeah, okay, you're right. But they will be great. So come back and listen. <laughs> I promise. I think one of the ones that was really powerful to me or one of the ones I like was really hoping that people, you know, were dialed in on was the like, it's okay, like because it it makes me happy and God wants me to be happy. And I feel like that's I mean, I don't want to get too deep into theology. I mean, the term for this is essentially humanism. If you want to go down a click hole, just look up humanism. Essentially, it's like the purpose of me being on earth is to feel good and to, you know, whatever makes me most happy is the best course for my life, yep. uh, which, I mean, sounds great <coughs> and you see advertised everywhere. But if you think about it, it's kind of childish because what does like a third grader want? They just want to be happy all the time. They want to eat ice cream for every meal. And uh, and one of the things that made me think about it is Ben and Jerry's. I think like people know what Ben and Jerry's is out here, but it's it's pretty huge back in New England because they're from Vermont, Vermont, right? And they use like local dairy guys, and they're very involved in the arts and culture and politics yeah. and all this stuff. And you can do all that when you charge nine dollars a pint, <laughs> exactly. But they have this bumper sticker that I feel like every single Subaru and Volvo in Vermont has <laughs> that says, yeah. um, "If it doesn't like something like if it doesn't make you happy, why do it?" 
And I'm, I'm like, in my head, I'm like, okay, it's cute because it's like this tie-dye bumper sticker with flying cows. But also, like, exercise doesn't make me happy. Like, yeah. my my spinach doesn't make me feel happy. Yeah. Uh, there's, so, like, paying my taxes <laughs> doesn't, like, going the speed limit when, like, there's no one on the road. Do you want to be married to somebody who really believes that at the core of their being? No. Gosh, no. Unless you're the un- like, identical Like, the only reason person. you would is to say, I want that for you as long as you want that for me. Right. But it doesn't, that's not like appealing. Like I, I just doesn't make any sense to me on, on that. It doesn't feel like a great way to live or it is that how you want, um, you know, to parent as well. I mean, it just, oh man, I, it just doesn't feel, it feels weird to me. But That's so funny. Cause like Northern New England, I feel like is very like liberal artsy. Like you got like Robert Frost and you know, all these prolific writers come out of northern new england and then i lived in the rust belt you know the industrial part of the country pittsburgh cleveland and these are blue collar people and so a bumper sticker like that would make no sense to them because like cleaning out of an iron furnace probably isn't like do what makes you happy yeah they just want (laughs) to be fishing i would except i have a mortgage (laughs) and uh and then I feel like over here in the West, you got like a pretty good balance. Like I feel like I meet a lot of people who really love their jobs or at least like find it like mentally stimulating or whatnot. You guys, I think, have a better balance than some other places. But like my husband is one of those blue collar guys. I'm like, he loves just going to the shop and building stuff and, you know, using his brain and puzzling out pieces. But I'm like, is this like what you want to do the rest of your life? He's like, I'll do like what pays the bills like. And, like, I'm happy to be doing something productive that provides. It's not, like, his greatest joy or his passion. but Yeah. I I feel like the people who, um, for them, they may not be anti that. They just uh, just don't understand it are usually the most happy people. (laughs) The people who are, like— They don't get caught up. Yeah. Yeah, and the people who, like, embrace, no, I'm going to be happy. I'm going to do what makes me happy. Um, tend to feel the need to portray their happiness publicly, um, but deal with things behind the scenes that they don't want people to know about of severe bouts of unhappiness or long-term lack of a joy. I, I mentioned on Sunday, I don't know that God wants you to be happy. I don't, I don't know. I, I know that love, joy, peace, like joy is one of the fruits of the spirit. That Joy is different than happiness. Yeah, joy is, you can be joyful, but not happy. Like I, you, you can read of all kinds of people who like from a quality of life standpoint um they have so many things to not be happy about and yet their lives and their lifestyles were perceived with joy uh, people coming out of the civil rights movement who who look at you know all of the the system that um was completely against them and yet like the joy that they had even though you know th- we would say boy that that feels like you don't have a lot to celebrate um, you read about some of them and their lives were like there was such joy in them. So mm-hmm. joy coupled with hope for the future that happiness this... is like weather, like it comes and it goes and it's very dependent on a lot of outside factors. Joy is a choice. Like it's I'm going to like I know when I stop focusing on my finances, the stressors, the things that are out of my control that that brings me down. So instead, I'm going to put myself I'm going to change my proximity and just know that, like, no matter what changes, like, there's still things to that I can be grateful for. It's 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 totally repositioning yourself instead of just being blown by yeah. whatever the circumstances of life are. Yep. 
Yeah. And joy, I think, is, you know, hope that someday my happiness will match up with my joy. But, you know, even if it doesn't, I mean, I'm great. You know, we're good. This is, I still know whose I am or who's in whose hands I am or whatever, you know, there's all, and that can be kind of pie in the sky. Thank you for a lot of people. And I, I get that. I understand that. I just say, if, if the goal is just personal happiness, it's weird how that just doesn't seem to work out. And like the things that you want change constantly. Oh yeah, like, for constantly. Sure. Yeah. Like I think what makes even, you happy now doesn't. Make even you the happy fact that we now. we make seventeen, sixteen, seventeen, eighteen year olds try to figure out what they want to do for the rest of their life, I'm like, man, I made some horrible life choices at that point, and like. Let's hear about a few of them. Oh, no, I'm just no. kidding. <laughs> we, we don't have time. time. We don't. We, we got time. Don't got time. No, we'll go along the way. <laughs> but like, that's a lot of pressure because, and like, if you start going for college for one thing and change majors, I mean, that's a huge financial hit right there and you end up in debt and like there's just so much pressure to to chase to chase your dreams at that age instead of just i don't know like i wish this is totally a tangent i just wish america maybe operated a little differently or gap years weren't so frowned upon that like people be like hey how about you work some jobs and figure out things that like you actually enjoy that you can you know make enough of a living to to not be live in a mom's basement for forever and like find, find that happy medium that like you get enjoyment out of it and you know, you can get by and, and do that instead of just, uh, I like video games, video yeah. game designer. <laughs> I think of my wife when I think of the difference between happiness and joy. Like, I feel like she's a person who's full of joy. I feel like she, um, like if you asked her like today, are you happy today? I don't know that she'd be happy today. You know, like it was a rough night with a kid or, the dogs are doing this again or, you know, what, like there's all kinds of things to not be happy about, but she lives a life of joy. Um, we don't travel as much as, you know, some friends who don't have kids or have kids who are already out of the house or old enough to babysit themselves or something like that. So you're, you're in a season where maybe like the short-term happiness isn't as plentiful, but there's tons of joy. Yeah. Right. Yeah. (laughs) We have a travel and leisure magazine that sits on our, I I, I noticed the irony. It teases you. Yeah. Right. We got it in the mail the other day because I can't remember. We uh, had to use some air mile points or they were going to expire. So we're like, well, let's get a magazine subscription. Let's get travel and leisure. And the irony of getting it in the mail going, that looks amazing. And then setting it on the uh, coffee table and being like, someday. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's but it's good. Sure, like, I'd love to be in a river right now instead of wiping runny noses yeah, and cleaning up after are, the dogs. Do so. you have joy in life? I mean, she would say she would look at Clive right now and be like, "Yes, of course, so much joy." Like, look at all four of our kids: healthy, great, growing, smart, cute. Like, literally the cutest kids. You know what I mean? Um, Understanding that blessings, like. When blessings of family are messy blessings, but they're still blessings. Yeah. Yeah. It's good. All right. Wow. We went long and have got to fly through our say something interesting, uh, our our things that we found interesting that really have nothing to do with anything to do with the message, but just things in life that we found interesting. Margie, you want to go first? Sure. Okay. Um, So I, it's, there's two lines of work that for some reason have always been romanticized in my mind of just like. They they've kind of stood the test of time, and there there's just there's just something so like vintage and whole and pure about him. Yeah, one chimney is sweeper. The, one is the postman. I don't know. I just really like letter carriers. I'm like, oh, that's great. I'm just happy. Do you follow that, male escorts on Instagram? Oh, 
That's a uh, a local the, the the guys here who work in Richland. They have a Instagram called Mail Escorts M A I L, and uh, under I think it's Mail underscore Escorts, and they post their adventures of, of all of their stuff. They're fantastic. I just, like I love that. Yeah, and I great. and I still love like written communication. I think there's just something so special about it. And, even, and packages. I mean, now we think packages, we think Amazon, but like actual from a friend packages. Like the mail is just beautiful, and I'm just happy that there's people that do it, and it's not all drone delivery yet. So that's, that's number one. Really My number funny. two Good. occupation that I just hope never goes away, but I know it's definitely more of a dying breed, is librarians. And I was a librarian for a short period, and it was the best job ever. And actually, that's what I really wanted to go to school for. But the tough thing with librarians is librarians are librarians for life. You got to wait till. Grandma Moses kicks the bucket before you can pick up her spectacles and take her post. So, was there a bigger game changer in an industry than the card catalog system being completely replaced? I mean, it was like you had to have an MBA in card catalog systems and how to do that. I remember being thing. trained like in the card catalog. And then all of a sudden, like the advent of the computers, and you're like, this whole industry that I've invested hours and hours of training into is completely useless. A 12-year-old with a mouse click can find more information than I could with a card. I mean, yeah, that's that was like a game changer for that industry. Crazy. Yes, very much true. And one of the things, so I love whenever I see little opt-eds on Facebook or whatever about libraries or anything like that, I always watch them because I'm like, are they still going okay? Like, how are things doing, friends? Yeah. And so I watched one, and it was about the New York Public Library, and they have a whole department. I think there's seven or eight employees that like this is their full-time job it's up on the mezzanine like they have an office in the library but you can call them anyone anywhere can call them and ask them questions and they will do the research and find you the answer like that like i'll, I'll say the number once you can google it later but it's 917-275-6975 and so you're not talking to your computer you're talking to a real life employee they're at your beck and call they're at your beck and call monday through friday they have their hours but you can ask them you know like how many teeth does a great white shark have when was the peanut butter and jelly sandwich invented and they actually have a whole file of like the most interesting questions they've ever been asked so that's like something cool to look into like what and you know their reasons are like some people just don't have access to a computer or don't you know have the money to have access to something like that uh, some people are in remote locations where they don't have Wi-Fi, but they can make a call. Other people, she says, are just like lonely <laughs> and want to make conversation. But like to me, it just gave me a little bit of hope that in like one of the most technological, fast-paced cities in the world, there's a group of seven, seven or eight individuals whose job is just to be a librarian, to take calls and to answer questions and to be there for you free of charge offering a service to the public. I just thought that was really cool. Yeah, that's awesome. It's great. Um, I stumbled into mine this uh, last week while I was uh, uh, lounging on my couch, and uh, I came across something called Axios, A-X-I-O-S. Yeah, no no, you, A-X-I-O-S. Um, and it's basically like a, uh, like a news service, right? You sign up, they're going to send you a newsletter with all the top stories of the day. Um, but the, I, I've, I really enjoyed like the, the nonpartisan feel of it, you know, and, um, it's hard to find. These oh days. my gosh. So insanely People that never, difficult like, to there's find. certain newspapers that never took sides that are now just like, I, I, I yeah, got to take a side. It's too much. <laughs> we got to take a side. Uh, 
this one has been great and it's like the siding of the sources the whole time like you can click you know get lost and all the all the clicks just feels really great and but i i say that not because you should sign up for access i don't really care but they had one in there where they talked um this was i think sunday mornings they do two two newsletters one in the morning one in the evening like the best stories of the morning best stories of the evening anyways uh one of the best stories of the morning was um that twitter and facebook now like we are on we are on the brink of kind of a um a, a new wave of social media because Twitter and Facebook have realized a the part that they played in like some of the election stuff and the fake news and and all of these cries of fake news and whether or not I mean I'm I'm trying not to be political on this but like we we really do have the potential a potential for misuse. We have a mess of reliability on our hands. Mhm across the board like because people aren't calling the new york public library to find out what's true that's or not. part of the problem <laughs> and it's really hard to i mean it's easy to point fingers and it's easy to isolate stories that yes there was fake news and we uh, there the, in this article it says we underestimate really how bad i think it's going to be insanely damaging to the reputation of of the news system in America. Can, like, I, just, can I just give a really quick example yeah, of that? Yeah, sure. So uh, I'm I'm friends with a lot of people that I used to work with, and their children when they become older enough, I usually because like you know I babysat them, I know them really well. Uh, one of my friend Kim, her son Jason is 12 or 13 now, and he does not like the New England Patriots. And I saw him post a video that was like they. Pierced to, like they put together a bunch of like Roger Goodell interviews and some weird footage to make it seem like the refs were totally paid off and Roger Goodell like makes Super Bowls to build dynasties and the name of the so he posted this video which if you like if you watched it I can see how you'd be fooled like the way they chopped it together uh, but the name of the the page that made the video was sports satire. Like it's right in it's the right title. There. It's there. But like people don't even look. Don't even look, man. Don't, even, don't look. even look. And I'm not even sure he knows what satire means. But that's just an example of someone that just published something without even looking at the title of the people. <laughs> in this piece, they talk about how bots now can create images that you just they do it like without you even knowing. Or not sorry. It's not like somebody sat down at with at Photoshop and did this. They just produce stuff and you cannot tell the difference by a trained eye. I mean, it's just like, it's unbelievable how aggressive it has begin. It has become to be fake and to obscure source material. Do whatever you can to get shared, to get talked about. And by followers, because we assume, well, uh, 1.4 million people like this, so therefore it must be legit. And he's like, there are so many fake accounts that uh, Facebook attempted to do uh, like an evaluation, an inventory evaluation of how many fake accounts they think they have. And at first they said, we probably have about 30 million. And the number now, they go, we were off and we were off by about 100%. At this point, they're like, we probably have 60 million fake accounts going on. Which drives on. me nuts because I've reported like three of them in the last week. They're like, oh, you can block this person. I'm like, this is a fake account. And there's <laughs> industries to buy followers on Instagram and yeah. Twitter just to beef up your audience. It's like, it is a joke. And it, and it wasn't like a... And here's the path forward. Sign up for Axios.com. And, you know, you'll always get, you know, whatever. It was just like, we have a huge mess on our hands. And it's like there's a reckoning coming at some point where you need to trust something, but we don't have great answers for you right now. I mean, literally, like one of these, the, the story, that, there was a story that came out um, recently about 
um, how California is instituting this. Have you heard the straw, the plastic straw story? Um, if a waiter offers a straw without being asked to supply one, they're going to get fined for a while because, or they 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 had this idea that was proposed. It didn't Darn get elected. Liberals with their hippies. Right. We don't want to like plastic <laughs> landfills, and they quoted this fact of the uh, Americans go through five hundred million straws um, a week or something like this, some some astronomical number, right? And it felt, you know, it's just like this number that's so big, like how do you verify? And so they, they begin to question like, uh, real quickly. Um, At your source. Where, yeah, where'd you get that number? And they're like, well, we heard it from Washington Post and CNN. Well, okay, so then they kind of backtrack, backtrack, backtrack all this time. And it ended up coming it's like a game of telephone. a kid who is nine years old, who did a book report for school, who called up a plastic... Um, straw, nice kid, just trying to make it work. I'm not blaming know, the kid. He didn't know the ramifications. He had no idea. Called up a straw company and said, how many do you produce on a day? he called up a straw company. Absolutely. That's impressive. What did you do? And then we're just going to go ahead and times that number by however many states are involved in the union, and we're just going <laughs> to... Because Wyoming uses the so same amount of straws. A nine-year-old kid as... gets cited in a Washington Post and CNN article that says there's 500 million straws that Americans go through on a weekly or daily basis. I can't remember the number. It was, I mean, it's just like, oh, this this is so damaging to the credibility of all of this stuff. Like, what are we doing? What are we doing, you guys? You guys. Did you hear there's like, oh. forget, some composer died, like, I think the last two years. And someone, some reporter wanted to do an experience, so they went on his Wikipedia page and changed, and they put this fake quote by him being like, life ends, but the symphony always continues. Because they knew that people would be going to his Wikipedia page to yeah. try to write, and that quote was oh, used over Absolutely. And it ended up on headstones <laughs> everywhere. Oh, my gosh. Like people were like, so-and-so died. And in his words, Some dude living in his mom's like, basement is like, I did it. I changed the world. But that just goes to show that, like, oh my gosh, reporters aren't doing their due diligence. And I accidentally read a book on the news about ten years ago. So this was way before like all of this mess. Called um, the new news. I think it's just called news or the news by a guy named Elaine de Botton. He's uh, like a French existentialist philosophist guy. It was a fantastic piece on the news. So if you're looking for a good resource on news that is not like. Anti-Trump or pro-Trump or anything, anything having to do with modern day politics. This was completely before any of that. Um, I just remember it being really good. And I'm probably gonna have to go and reread it again because it it made me really try and go, all right, I need to prioritize and value reliable, credible news sources in my life and really try and do my best to ignore, ignore all the loudness and all the noise. Anyways, we went way long, but good luck with that, guys. Good luck with the news feeds. Uh, hey, thanks for listening. Thanks for checking in with us. We are always, always excited to share some time with you on our Say Something Interesting podcast. My name is Brent. You can find me on all of the socials at Brent uh, Brent Johnson, J-O-H-N-S-E-N. Margo is... On Instagram at Adventures in Caffeine. And we would love to connect with you on there. Uh, we'll see you next week. We're doing part four, the conclusion of our beginning series. And uh, it's also Super Bowl Sunday, so we're going to watch the Eagles win and do all of that. No. It'll be a lot of fun. So anyways, <laughs> have a great week, guys. See you later.